Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. It's Today in Ohio, the news podcast discussion from Cleveland.com and The Plain Dealer for a Thursday, heading into the Independence Day weekend. Little order of business, we will not have a podcast on Monday. And then for the rest of the week, Layla Atassi will be hosting the podcast because I'll be off. It's the first time we've done that. If there are big technical difficulties of the order we had yesterday, we may not get one published. Don't blame Layla. <laughs> it's, it's my fault for using too many platforms. I'm Chris Quinn. I am here with Layla Tassi, Laura Johnston, and Lisa Garvin. And before we get started, I wanted to talk a little bit uh, about abortion. It, it is the topic of the summer and probably beyond. Uh, we're, we're hearing from a lot of people about this. And it strikes me that really the best way forward would be if men had no role in deciding the law on abortion. This is a women's rights issue. We should just get out of it. I keep finding myself in unusual conversations. But the thing I wanted to talk about yesterday... Democratic candidate for governor Nan Whaley said if she's elected, she will seek a constitutional amendment in Ohio to guarantee the right to choose for women. And it struck me that why wouldn't she do that now as part of her campaign? You have to get signatures on petitions in every county to get something on the ballot. She's campaigning in every county. And wouldn't that activate voters in a way we haven't seen before? It feels like she's missing a chance because Mike DeWine is absolutely dead set against abortion. It's part of his his religious faith. So so this is a divide. Women are largely angry about what the state is. Why wouldn't you activate them? What am I missing here? I mean, what Nan Whaley said when reporters pressed her on this, and I believe they pressed pretty hard, was that she was busy running her governor campaign and couldn't couldn't spare the time right now and that there, she couldn't get it on the ballot for November anyway, that it wouldn't be. But no. you're right. There's nothing to say that she couldn't start collecting signatures for something for next year. Like, right. I, I do think this year is probably out of hand, but I'll, maybe she just doesn't have the time to come up with the amendment. I mean, we've talked about this before. We had a whole podcast episode about it. This is not something you're going to right on a napkin right. right after a brainstorming session this is something that needs to be very deliberate that looks at the limitations and and has a consensus that you think can get approved this is not something you're going to throw together in a day right, right but she wants to be governor mm -hmm. and you have a lot of passion right now there's yes. a lot of passion you know and in the cities largely in favor of, rest of restoring this right and, you know, I, it wouldn't, I don't think it would be that hard to get it together. You'd have to get it to, to the Attorney General's office and get the language approved. But 
and it wouldn't be for this year. There's no way you could get on the ballot this year. It would be for next year. But it, she's going everywhere. And if she's calling out to people so that her campaign rallies become campaign slash women's rights rallies, wouldn't, wouldn't more women go and want to sign? And if I go to a campaign function of Nan Whaley and I sign a petition aren't I more likely to it, to vote for her because I'm now invested? No, I think Laura is completely right that you just can't slap that language together. It takes a lot of, of understanding what what people will sign on to. You know, like they keep saying, what is it, 85% of, of people support support the right to choose in some form, right? Like some kind of right to choose. But the devil is in that in that choice you know like what where's the what's the range of choice there you know i think that some people would say if you press them well you know in the um you know i'd I'd support a woman's right to choose abortion if uh you know in the case of rape or incest or if they needed uh, you know if they needed it for medical reasons or if they you know there are all these caveats that people would would tack on to the right to choose And I think that if you break it down, so you have to do some serious research to find out where, how far you can press to to get uh, the the language right so that you would pass that uh, with a a majority of voters. You can't just throw it together. Laura and I had a special episode of the podcast to talk about exactly these topics. And what was striking is, there were some people in the healthcare industry that immediately said that that really what you need to do is enshrine in the Constitution that this is a decision, a healthcare decision between a woman and a doctor. But the consensus also was there needs to be a limit. Right, like you right. said it for it can't be the first absolute. trimester. People wouldn't, wouldn't agree to that. No, they wouldn't do it uh, the, the, because the other side would say they want to do this at, the, at month nine. Right. But the consensus was something on the order of you'd say you have the right in the first trimester and then beyond that, there'd be exceptions for X, Y and Z that would be in consultation between the woman and her doctor, according to generally accepted medical practices. But I just it just seems like this is a galvanizing issue of this campaign and saying that I'll do it after I'm elected, it just feels like. Um, missing something. I, I do agree that if she could get it together in a month or so, that having those signatures at her event would draw women and would make them feel invested in Nan Whaley. And there must be nonprofit agencies that are preparing this kind of thing right now. It's not like overnight, oh, we need to think about this. You know that with that ruling looming, people have been thinking about it and trying to fashion it. Anyway, I I just, it was an interesting moment and I thought, you know, there's a chance here to galvanize the voters because this is an issue that divides Nan Whaley and Mike DeWine very, very clearly. But she has to ride that line. I mean, she has to walk a tightrope because like you said, for your podcast that you and Laura did, you were looking for people in the middle. You weren't looking for people who were totally for or totally against. And I think people have to kind of weigh, you know, what they're willing to accept. So she has to really craft that narrative to get the people in the middle who, you know, think, you know, have their thoughts about it. And, you know, so she has to craft that message really, really carefully. Passions are 
really, really high right now. I think the people in the middle are starting to come out. We're starting to hear stories of women, you know, famous women and not so famous women telling their stories of abortion. You know, Republicans and others, you know, extremists have said, oh, you know, abortion is just like, you know, going to get your teeth cleaned. Abortion is, nobody wants an abortion. It's not like they're going, oh, I don't want this baby. They're going in. I mean, it's a horrible decision, no matter what it is about. So, I mean, you just have to find that middle ground, I think. Good point, Saul. I, I believe Nan Whaley is an occasional listener to this podcast. So, Nan, here's some thoughts for you. It's today in Ohio. Let's get started. How long will people have to wait for Cleveland to give them back their income tax money that the city has no right to keep? Layla, I'm hearing from a lot of people that are upset because they had to pay their home cities the income taxes they owed in April because they worked at home while Cleveland had been collecting it all last year. So they're kind of in the red. They had to pay their cities and Cleveland's keeping their money. Lots of anger about that. What's taken so long? Tons of taxpayers who once commuted to downtown offices and now work from home are still waiting for their 2021 tax refunds from Cleveland. Cleveland Central Collection Agency told Courtney Astolfi this week that they have processed 1,800 refunds from individuals, including only 370 related to remote work. That means that 75% of the 7,150 refund requests that the city received in 2022 are unresolved. That's more than $20 million that the city might owe to taxpayers, Chris. The city is saying that they hope to have issued the bulk of those refunds by early fall, but you know we're going to have to check back to see how that's going. By then, they're going to be up against next year's tax season. <laughs> well, in full disclosure, I'm one of those people. I I don't know if anybody else on here is, but yep, we're still waiting. people <laughs> waiting for our money because uh, I didn't work a day in Cleveland in the calendar year. Uh, okay. I mean, I, I, I get it that they have to go through thousands of tax returns. They did, Layla, as we talked about previously, make this process way more complicated oh, than yeah. I can imagine. And nobody could figure out which form to file or which box to check on the form. And it, it just was, they, they did this intentionally. They're, it's, it's Cleveland city government, which, you know, Justin Bibb is trying to get people to come back in and work downtown. And I think this kind of ridiculous meandering process is why nobody wants to. Nobody wants to deal with the city when they make things so difficult. Rita communities where, where you deal with the regional income tax agency, it's so much simpler. They, they make it efficient, they make it smart, and I just don't get why Cleveland is making it this difficult. You know, interestingly, Courtney included a form at the bottom of her story for readers to let us know their own experience dealing with CCA. And and surprisingly, many of our readers said that this delay isn't unique to this year and to this set of circumstances. (laughs) Readers are telling us that they routinely wait all year to receive their, their refunds and that they get them just in time to start the whole painful process over again. And so it appears that it's not just a pandemic, you know, year issue that looks like CCA might hold on to people's money for way longer than they should be. You know, if you don't pay the city in time, you immediately start seeing penalties and fees. And so there ought to be something enshrined in the state law that they got, you know, 60 days or 90 days to give you the money back or they have to pay you the equivalent penalties and fees. It's ridiculous because they're collecting interest on that money they've they invest the money that they have 
and you're not, and it's your money. Um, shame on the Bib administration for not making this work faster. You're listening to Today in Ohio. What is the argument being made in a lawsuit filed Wednesday to block enforcement of Ohio's heartbeat bill, which all but makes abortion illegal in the state? Lisa, we talked earlier about pushing for a constitutional amendment to to end this debate in Ohio. This lawsuit is another tack. What what are they? What's the argument? What do they believe they have that can stop the heartbeat bill from being enforced? Uh, well, they're weighing on the Constitution. Now, this lawsuit was filed uh, on behalf of several Ohio abortion providers. It was filed by attorneys from the ACLU and the Wilmer Hale Law Firm. Basically, what they're saying, they're asking the Ohio Supreme Court not to enforce the heartbeat law. They declare in their lawsuit that it's unconstitutional. They say that the Ohio Constitution guarantees due process rights under the due course of law clause, and that protects bodily autonomy and reproductive autonomy and integrity. And they also say that the law discriminates against women in violation of the Equal Protection and Benefit Clause. It's a a tough argument to make, but we do have at the moment a, a Supreme Court that's fairly evenly divided. I mean, we have three Republican justices who don't seem to measure anything based on the facts. They just go knee jerk to whatever the conservative side is you have three democrats who kind of do the same thing in the other direction and then there's the chief justice who seems to consider everything by the facts and make a ruling so i don't know is is it does it feel like that this has grounds or is this just kind of a a stab in the dark. I don't see the court splitting any other way than it does now, four to three, quite honestly. They are seeking an emergency stay while this is being litigated, so that could be the first step. They could maybe stop this law while it's going, working its way through the courts, but I don't know. It, it's, it's worth a shot. I mean, you know, they are using the Constitution. They have cited two clauses in the Constitution that they think they can hang this legal argument on, so it remains to be seen. But again, the Supreme Court, I don't expect anything more than that four to three vote. Well, this this gets back to how we opened the podcast with Nan Whaley out campaigning. Uh, You could spin the whole abortion argument into the chief justice election as well. Mm -hmm. If Sharon Kennedy, the sitting justice who has had conflicts of interest and is a knee jerk ruler for the for the kind of the fringe right becomes chief justice, that court is going to be a rubber stamp Mm -hmm. for all of this kind of stuff. And Jennifer Bruner is running against her. And so it's another thing. If you built the abortion argument into the statewide campaigns, What could it mean for all of these races? You're listening to Today in Ohio. Staying on the abortion topic, what happened at abortion clinics when Ohio's heartbeat bill took action just or became effective just hours after the U.S. Supreme Court reversed 50 years of precedent and declared there is no longer a constitutional right to abortion? Well, they had to start calling people who had scheduled appointments and canceling them. And they thought they'd have a couple of weeks before the heartbeat ban went back into effect, even after the ruling came. And remember, we didn't know the ruling was coming on Friday. And then Dave Yost filed minutes afterward to try to get the heartbeat ban that had been passed in 2019, I believe, to actually take effect because it had been blocked because of the Roe versus Wade basically standard. And so they thought that could take a couple weeks. They were ready 
to comply when they had to, but it happened within eight hours. So they had to start turning people away. And their focus now is to keep people informed and get their abortion services as quickly as possible. They are working with groups that are will tra- help women travel for abortion with assistance such as money, transportation, and lodging. And what folks like Pr- Planned Parenthood and Preterm are telling you is, please don't think you don't have options. Call them. Talk to someone who can help because they are trying to work with women in any way that they can. I I read a bunch of stories from back in the 60s in Cleveland about abortion, and you had doctors who were underground that that would do this. It wasn't Planned Parenthood. It wasn't anything like that. You had ministers that women would go to that say, I'd like to get an abortion, and they would counsel them, and if they still wanted it, they would help them find the services we don't see that yet, right? I mean, this is more, we're going to get you to a state where it's legal, but you've got to think that there are going to be some doctors that feel so strongly about this, especially in cities like Cleveland, where they set up like that. And even if they were prosecuted, you got to think the judges would not treat them badly in sentencing. We haven't seen anything like that discussed, right? No, we haven't seen that discussed yet. Right now, the focus has all been on where it is legal and helping people get there. But you're right, because we've talked about this numerous times, that traveling will be more of an option for women who have means, who have support, who have the money to get there. And so places, you know, where there is more poverty, you would think there would be some other option for someone who believes strongly that this should not be a right that's taken away. Well, and employers have come out of the woodwork yes. to say we will, we will do it. And and you know there are some that said, what woman is going to go to their employer and say I want to have an abortion? But that's not the way it works. It's it's all confidential. The employer actually never learns of it. Right. It's, between, it's all through your health insurance. Yeah, and HIPAA applies, and so I, it's that's a fascinating development that you did not see. I don't believe back before Roe v. Wade. Uh, and, uh, and I know you guys talked about that on the podcast on Tuesday when I wasn't there, and. I think you said, Chris, this this could be self-serving, right? You know, companies don't want to have to pay for an extra child, and they want their employees to work. And I don't, I don't care that they could benefit too at one time. You know, if people want to have an abortion, then they should be able to have an abortion. Well, I got to tell you, Laura, the thing that made my jaw drop. I saw we have a story coming saying that as soon as the decision came down, the the number of men seeking vasectomies <laughs> rocketed. But but you know that's really distressing in some ways because that means that the men, when abortion was available, could throw caution to the wind and put it on the woman to get the the heart wrenching decision of an abortion. But now now that that's not an option, oh, I better make sure I don't I don't impregnate anybody. It's I can't <laughs> wait to see that story that Greta Kudakrone is working on. Um, but yeah, that was one I was not not expecting to see that you know reaction from from yeah, this ruling it's a very cynical selfish trend you're listening to today in ohio hey it's ryan reynolds and i'm here with keith co-star of my upcoming film if only in theaters may 17th do you want to tell people the big news all right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Lisa, is it now clear what the weakest 
branch of state <laughs> government is. The Ohio Redistricting Commission repeatedly defied the Ohio Supreme Court's orders involving drawing fair maps. The court repeatedly asked the commission to show cause why it should not be held in contempt. Was there any point? Apparently not, because yesterday the Ohio Supreme Court decided that it will not hold the redistricting committee members in contempt for failing to produce state legislative maps by the May deadline. Even though that three-judge federal panel, which allowed these elections to go forward with a set of gerrymandered maps... You know, they allowed it to go forward using that maps, and it was they were deemed unconstitutional. The commission still had to comply with the February ruling to approve constitutional maps. When they didn't do that, the plaintiffs asked that they be held in contempt. And we heard several times that they wanted to have the commission come before the Supreme Court and, you know, describe why they shouldn't be held in contempt. That never happened. So basically, this request has been ruled moot by the the. Wednesday ruling and I think this is the end of the whole gerrymandering drama for now I think that the strategy all along and a lot of people think this is that you know that the GOP wanted to delay this until after the November election because the court balance may very well change Maureen O'Connor is retiring she's been the the critical critical swing vote here and so, yeah, it's going to be very interesting. But, yeah, basically, they threatened and said, we're going to hold you in contempt. You need to come and tell us why. And then they're like, eh, we're not going to do that now. Well, Can- go ahead. I just wanted to ask something. I feel like we were so fired up for re- over redistricting for so long. And our podcast was, you know, all this outrage for Cup and Hoffman and all the ways they're thwarting the will of the people and taking away our rights. And now we have, like, this sedition hearings happening and we have the abortion issue and it's like how can you sustain the rage on all of these levels i i don't know i know the aclu backed off with the intent of going back at this and it's so important redistricting is incredibly important for gun issues and abortion issues and everything that people care about it matters the makeup of our state legislature but i just i can't see people getting back on this bandwagon i don't know i don't see anybody moving to change the redistricting process well, government is designed based on the belief that people will do it in good faith. And clearly, nobody on that redistricting commission was operating in good faith. The Supreme Court issued orders and they rejected them. That's not the way it's supposed to work. But if you go back to the very first ruling in this, Maureen O'Connor did say in a, in a concurrence, hey, folks, these guys are never going to not include politics in their decisions you should redesign your system. Here's how they do it in other states. And that's the key. We sh- it's, like, it's just like with abortion. All this other stuff doesn't matter. A constitutional amendment is the only thing that will stop nefarious lawmakers from restricting the rights of women. The only way to stop this is to take these politicians out of the system right. and go with the systems they have in other states. And you're right, Laura, they haven't started that yet. But, you know, maybe Nan Whaley could circulate petitions <laughs> at her campaign events. You never know. Uh, we hope Nan Whaley's listening. And, and you know, to be <laughs> honest, even though, yeah, I agree with Laura that it's hard to sustain the rage across all these different outrageous issues. But gerrymandering is the heart of all the outrageous mm-hmm. issues. Yes. None of these other things would be happening to us if it weren't for our gerrymandered predicament. (laughs) So there you go. Just doesn't have the same 
rage and passion behind it that abort it you know abortion does or gun rights or mass shootings whatever it is you know it's but it is the root it is you can of trace all it, it all back to that so yeah 100 percent. and jeremy- laura hancock did some and jeremy pelter did some really good work earlier this year where they showed all of the different laws that have been passed over the years and ha- how the legislature got increasingly more conservative how the laws changed and right. either, you know, restricted rights or opened up rights. Right. And it's not truly reflective of the actual electorate, of the actual right. constituency. Because, because the breakdown in the state house has never fully reflected the breakdown in the state. No, gerrymandering has taken away our government. Basically, we don't we no longer have our government. You we, lose a democracy when you have a supermajority. Right. Okay. You're listening to Today in Ohio. Are any Cleveland suburbs allowing people to shoot off fireworks over the Independence Day weekend? And does it matter what the city says about the rules anyway? Laura, as we know, Ohio has legalized fireworks on a bunch of different holidays, starting with this weekend. But the, the law allows cities to say not here. What, right. What's which, the upshot? Yeah, most cities said not here. So Kaylee Remington talked to about 35 different cities in Northeast Ohio, and very, very few are going along with the state law allowing this. Olmstead Falls, Maple Heights, and Fairview Park will allow residents to possess and use bottle rockets and firecrackers on private property. Brooklyn is allowing them to use it on one day of July 4th, but plenty of other cities have said, nope, don't do it here. Either they had laws on the books already that supersede, or they've said since the state law took um, was passed, you can't do it here. I got an email, a text, and a phone call from my city that was like, remember, you cannot set off firecra- fireworks. I mean, we're not talking about sparklers or the really small things they sell at grocery stores. We're talking about commercial firecra- fireworks includes firecrackers, bottle rockets, and Roman candles. What do you say, Lisa? You think these laws are going to be effective? Well, it's my neighbor, I have a neighbor who, sh- who shoots off some big fireworks, and he, he started on Juneteenth. So, you know, there were several, you know, of course, in Facebook, the Facebook page lit up immediately. But, yeah, I mean, you know, fireworks is an act of rebellion. It always has been, you know, even when it was legal. You know, little kids would get their cherry bombs and run out, ha, 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 and blow them off. And I just think that you can't. And cops aren't going to, like, run around unless you call and say, hey, my neighbors are, like, shooting off fireworks right now. You're never going to catch them. And, you know, a lot of them know that they're probably going to be, you know, cops are out looking for them. So they're going to be a little bit, uh, you know, evasive. Well, and Kaylee, yeah, Kaylee talked to a retired judge from Painesville, um, Michael Chicanetti, who said that it doesn't, most people don't know that their company, their communities have opted out. And that it's really confusing because you're making a law, but that peop you can't people can't actually follow because their city's opted out of it. So they're very confused, but that is incredibly hard to prosecute anyway. And there's very few cases that ever come before a court like and that. And how many people buying yeah. fireworks are gonna go, Oh no, I can only get sparklers or whatever. I mean, they want the big M eighties and stuff that that make the most noise. So you're asking you know, customers to know what is legal in their city and what isn't if the city is allowing them at all. I still find it terrifying. Why anyone would want to set off a commercial fire firework themselves to me is mind-boggling. We did publish a story that I hadn't heard before. If I had, I'd forgotten it. That that uh, July Fourth is the day with the highest number of dogs running away because they're so frightened by all the explosions. And if they're 
their owners aren't home, they can bust out in terror and run. So that's something to think about my, for people my who are puppy, shooting them off. When Rory was a couple months old, we had him in Mackinac on vacation, and the there was fireworks right in front of our hotel, and I had him tied up to our chair, and he bolted out of his collar, and I spent like an hour calling the Mackinac Michigan police like looking for our dog really um, yeah it was terrifying because I was just like we had just lost our other dog and I was like I'm gonna come back from vacation without my dog and oh my yeah yeah he was and, and he didn't have a collar on right and so people would be like what does he look like you're like he looks like a golden retriever puppy <laughs> has yeah, anyone I've, seen him and I've seen people on social media saying really you should get the the chip put in your dog because so many of them run away I didn't know that so if you're thinking about shooting off fireworks, think about your neighbors who have dogs. It's today in Ohio. All right, I'm going to skip ahead because we need to go light. This has been too heavy a conversation. Let's talk about food factories. Lisa, how much demand is there for Uncrustables? The mostly, mostly is the description that throws me. Peanut butter and jelly sandwiches made in Ohio by J.M. Smucker. The numbers are just draw uh, and and they keep growing i mean jam smucker which is based in wayne county says they can't keep up with the demand for uncrustables frozen sandwiches they make three oh million a day they made one billion sandwiches last year and they said since 1998 the sales went from 10 million to 500 million dollars and they're expecting that to double again they had to open a second factory in 2019. They're currently building a $1.1 billion facility in McCalla, Alabama that will double their capacity. So this is like crazy. And I didn't grow up with Uncrustables. Apparently it's a big deal, but the demand is really growing. Apparently schools and uh, and uh, athletic teams are using them. I didn't know. They're a frozen sandwich. You put them in, in your child's lunchbox. It's thawed by lunch. So it's an easy thing to do. So the demand... And they expanded from peanut butter and jelly. They offer several uh, several flavors now, but people love them. They can't keep it up. It's not thawed okay, by lunch. It's never thawed by lunch. He <laughs> <laughs> comes well, home. Somebody, it's gross. in the morning. This is one of the grossest <laughs> products, and also it it still is. It still has a crust. You really can't. I mean. It has to be pinched around the edges, so that is still a crust. It still has that, you know. You know, Laura, you know, back me up here, right? Okay, first of all, no, none of us, Lisa, grew up with uncrustables. <laughs> okay. I mean, my parents were whole wheat bread. You eat your crusts, but I, mean, um, I have never bought these because my kids are not fans of PB and J. But I do know that the schools stock them as like if the kids forget their lunches that day, they're like an emergency lunch because uh, they don't want little kids to go hungry. But I, I'm with Layla. I mean, you know, though, whatever, whatever parenting hack works for you. If your kids love these and they, you can feed them to it and it's no work for you, then by all means, moms and dads buy the Uncrustables. And I, I love this story from Sean McDonald. He picked it up from a an earnings call from Smuckers he was on and wow. like took this little nugget and really, really dug into it. And um, so, yeah, I think it's fascinating. A nugget, like Good the for frozen an center of an Uncrustable. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> so, so Layla, Layla I, I'm still a little bit unclear. So, it, it describe it. You said it's pinched on the edge. Well, yeah, because it's like a pie. It's round, a pie. Yeah. yeah. It's like uh, it's, it's a like white sandwich. white bread sandwich. Imagine a round, a round peanut butter jelly sandwich, but it has no crust, but it has to stay together. So, they, they kind of pinch around the edges so it still has to have some kind of like, you know, the edges still act as, you know, it doesn't have that like crusty edge, but it still is 
thicker around the edges because it has to be pinched to, pinched together. So your kid will still peel off that. <laughs> I mean, you know, how many kids right. don't eat crust? I mean, is that still? I mean, I love oh, the crust. A lot of a kids. Lot. Don't they don't eat, eat the crust. crust. Yeah. I, that's that's the best part. <laughs> I thought I'd have a topic there without an crust. outrage factor, and here we are with an outrage factor. <laughs> Plenty of kids also don't eat pizza crust. Oh, my okay. God. You're listening to <laughs> Today in Ohio. That does it for a Thursday discussion of the news. Thank you for joining us. Thank you, Laura. Thank you, Lisa. Thank you, Layla. We'll be back Friday to wrap up the week of news. <laughs>